Thank you for joining us this week on the Forward Church Podcast. Here's a dynamic word from Pastor Justin. How many of y'all believe we serve a good, good father? God is good and all the time. God is good. He is good all the time. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to be reading from Acts chapter 19 today. We're going to continue the series that we've been in, uh, The Road to Pentecost. We've been dealing with the uh, events in Scripture that has taken place between Passover and Pentecost. Um, and, and really, you know, you're, you're probably thinking, I'm ready for this series to be over, Pastor. Well, today is probably going to seem like a series finality, finale, um, even though next Sunday is Pentecost Sunday. Uh, but many of you know, next Sunday is something God's laid on my heart. I'm going to say this, and this is the last thing I'll say about it today. Uh, but I just want to give everybody a heads up. Something God's laid on my heart. We've been in 21 days of prayer and fasting. We're, we're two weeks into this now. We're two-thirds of the way into this. Um, and I believe next Sunday is going to be very special. We've been praying and we've been fasting, believing for God to show up and show out in our church in a, in a just special and mighty way. And so next Sunday, we're going to have a special, I'm going to have an abbreviated message. It's probably not going to really uh, relate to the series a whole lot. But um, I, I really want to bring everybody through... Uh, and really anoint everyone with oil and lay hands on everyone and have special prayer over all of the people, all of the families of our church, which is scriptural, it's biblical. And uh, I, I just believe that as we obey scripture, I, I, how many of y'all believe that there's power in obeying scripture? I believe that. And so I want to do that. That's something God's laid on my heart. And we're going to end what better way to end the last day of our prayer and fasting than than having an old-fashioned prayer line uh, here at church. So we're going to be doing that next Sunday. It's something to look forward to. Don't miss it. Be a part of it, if at all possible. So today, let's dive into the book of Acts, chapter 19. We're going to be looking at verses 1 and 2. Verse 1 and 2 today is our main text. And something we do here at Forward Church is we just we stand for the reading of God's Word. And I know we uh, have been standing a long time uh, already. But again, as we say always, uh, We'll make a deal with you. If you'll stand for the reading of God's word, you can sit for the remainder of service and I'll stand. Amen. So uh, Acts chapter 19, I'm going to read verses 1 and 2 as our main text. If you got it, say, I got it. If not, it's up on the screen and it says this, and it happened. Somebody say, it did happen. You know, we look at a lot of Bible stories like there's some kind of abstract fairy tales, but we forget sometimes that guess what? It happened. Uh, in, the, in the world of social media, we think it didn't happen unless it was posted on Instagram. But uh, it, it actually happened. And uh, it says this, while it happened, Apollos was at Corinth. Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he found some Christians. He found some people who received Jesus as their Lord and Savior. That's what a disciple is. Amen? And so he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now we know the only prerequisite of the baptism in the Holy Spirit is salvation. And so he's asking the believers, he's asking the disciples, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And this is really what a lot of people, we, we get this answer a lot today. And I really think it's because we don't really talk enough and teach enough about the Holy Spirit. Here's what they said. So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. How many of y'all know we get that a lot today? So I want to preach this road to Pentecost message today. Even though next Sunday is Pentecost Sunday, this message is almost going to seem like a series finale. We're going to be talking about the road to Pentecost. And I want to share with you just for a few moments today on the subject of the Holy Spirit. Is that okay? I want to talk about the Holy Spirit today. If you will, will you pray with me? God, I come before you one more time, and I thank you, God, for your presence that we feel in this place so strong today, God. I thank you, God, for the signs, the wonders, the miracles, God, that has already that have already taken place in this house today. And I just pray, God, your anointing, God. I, I need, we need a demonstration of the Holy Spirit. Let us not be just acting in the wisdom of men. But God, let us have a demonstration of your presence, of your spirit in this house today. And God, I pray, Lord, let every single word that I say be of you. 
nothing more, nothing less. Let it pierce the hearts of this congregation that we would not just be hearers of your word, but doers. And I pray, God, not a single one of us would leave here the same way we walked in. And I give you the praise, the honor, and the glory for everything that's accomplished. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, fist bump two or three people and let them know how awesome it is to have them in church today. You can be seated. So in most cases, let me, let me lay the groundwork. So the first half of this message is going to seem like I'm doing a lot of teaching. I might preach a streak every once in a while, depending on, you know, the, they say the only difference between teaching is pre- and preaching is preaching is just louder. So, what, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But in most cases, people or denominations who reject the Holy Spirit, in my opinion, aren't rejecting Scripture or what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit. In my opinion, they are rejecting the packaging that people have given the Holy Spirit or attributed to the Holy Spirit. And I want you to understand that. I want you to understand the heart behind what I'm saying right here. A lot of times, the, the, the reason why people stray away from the teaching and the Scriptures surrounding the Holy Spirit is not that they necessarily disagree with Scripture, but it's because a lot of times people have packaged the Holy Spirit in a way and attributed things to the Holy Spirit in a way that has done Him injustice and done Him, has has not protected the reputation of God in a way that is, is worthy of a demonstration of God, if you will. And so a lot of people, the reason why maybe we don't talk about the Holy Spirit as much, as, as much in a lot of church settings today is because, well, people have, have attributed this or that or they have a mental picture of what they think a manifestation or a demonstration of the Holy Spirit looks like and it makes them feel uncomfortable. But I've come by to tell somebody that I think if most people really understood who the Holy Spirit is, and the benefits that he gives us in the life of a believer, we wouldn't run from him, but we would run to him. And I really think that, that today I want to preach to two different people groups in the house. What do you mean, Pastor? Because really, in all honesty, in my mind, this is just the way my, my uh, type A brain operates, there's two types of people. Now, you know, saved or unsaved, I'm not even going there right now. But there's two types of people in my mind. The type of person that has been raised in a Pentecostal church your entire life. Me. I've been raised in the church of God my entire life in a Pentecostal denomination. Uh, Church of God, Assembly of God. uh, Pastor Cassie even attended a holiness church for a while. Come on, somebody, but she got delivered. No, I'm just like... (laughs) And then there's the other type. There's the type that maybe you haven't been raised in a what I call a Pentecostal church or maybe your whatever background you came from maybe didn't really talk about the Holy Spirit or teach on the Holy Spirit a lot because for whatever reason, and I'm not, I'm not here to, to talk or, or bash, you know, or talk bad about any of those, but I really do feel like if people understood, scripturally speaking, what the Bible says about the third person of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, I believe if we really understood what the Scripture said about Him, we would not run from Him or shy away from Him, but we would actually actively engage Him in a personal relationship. Now, how many of y'all know God's got a plan and a purpose for your life? And see, I want you to, I'm going to teach a little bit right here. God established... Old Testament feasts or holidays, if you will, all throughout Scripture in the Old Testament. Now, this message series is the, the, the road to Pentecost. And really, I told you what, we, what we've been dealing with is events in New Testament that took place from, from Passover or Jesus giving his life on the cross and the resurrection from Passover to Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. That's the, that's the whole point of this series. But I want to give you a little historical context for a moment because God has a plan and God has a purpose for all of our life. And what Jesus did when he showed up on the scene as God in the flesh in the New Testament is he took all the Old Testament holidays 
all of the Old Testament feasts, and he used those to reveal God's purpose for every single one of our lives in the New Testament church. As a matter of fact, Matthew teaches us this. Matthew, Jesus is talking in the, in, in, in the book of Matthew. He says, don't think I've come to abolish the law. Don't think I've come to abolish the Pentateuch. Don't think that I've come to abolish the, fir- the first five books of the Bible. He said, don't think I've come to abolish the law. Don't think I've come to abolish the prophets. We, we have different category, uh, categories in the Old Testament. Uh, historical books, the Pentateuch. We have poetical books. We have prophetical books. Jesus was saying, don't think I've come to abolish any of that. He said, but instead what I've come, I've come not to abolish it, but I've come to what? Fulfill it. Praise God for some Bible readers in the house. He said, I've come to fulfill this. In other words, bring to fruition or actually show you the, the, the purpose of each one of these. And so I want to look at, first of all, I am told you I was going to teach I want to look at some Jewish festivals or, or uh, 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 Jewish feasts that were fulfilled in the New Testament. Now, there were seven Old Testament feasts or holidays established, but there were really three main ones. Two of them took place in the springtime. One took place in the fall. The first feast I want to look at is a feast called Passover. How many of y'all have heard of Passover? Wave your hand. I hope you have because I'm preaching a sermon series from Passover to Pentecost, the road to Pentecost. If you hadn't heard of it, then where you been for the past five weeks? No, I'm just playing. So Passover, we all know, we read the book of Exodus. If you've been raised in church, you know the story of, of the Exodus or how God delivered the people of Israel from Egypt. Now, what, did, what, did, what happened right there? And I'm not trying to insult your intelligence. What I'm trying to do is just lay a foundation this morning. We all know that God sent Moses as a deliverer of the nation of Israel to call the people of Israel out of Egypt and out of bondage. But when he went to Pharaoh and he said, let my people go, what did Pharaoh do? Well, his heart was hardened and he refused, basically, long story short. So God sent 10 plagues on Egypt. Now, the 10th plague, we don't like to talk about this in the church a whole lot, but it was, it was, it was part of God's judgment on, on Pharaoh and on Egypt. And the firstborn male son of every household was going to die. And he said, he told Moses to instruct the people. He said, if you'll sprinkle the the blood of the lamb on the doorpost of your home, the top and the sides of the doorpost, I will pass over you and your, your, your children will not be harmed. Now, when they went into the wilderness and they were delivered that day or when they fled from Egypt, God said, I want to commemorate this day. I want you to remember this day from now on. And so to do this, we're going to celebrate Passover. And I want you to sacrifice a lamb. And I want you to understand the context of this. So in the Old Testament, what they would do every single year during the springtime is they would take a lamb and they would sacrifice this lamb on the altar around 9 o'clock in the morning. Nine o'clock in the morning, they would bring the sacrificial lamb, and then what they would do is that lamb would lay on the altar uh, up until about three o'clock in the afternoon, about 3 p.m. in the afternoon. Then they would take that lamb, and they would put the lamb in the oven to to, to cook the lamb for a meal for the the Passover meal for the family that evening. Now, that's, that's Old Testament, and that commemorates how how God said, look, this is, this is what I'm using. I'm using the blood of the lamb to cover your sins for a season and time. But what did they have to do? They had to do that what? Year by year by year by year by year. Somebody say, that's Old Testament. New Testament, here's what happens. Jesus, the spotless lamb of God, shows up on the scene. He goes to the cross of Calvary. He hangs on the cross. He was crucified at a 9 a.m. in the morning. See, while thousands upon thousands of lambs were being slaughtered on the altar, which commemorates Passover according to Jewish festival in the Old Testament, the spotless Lamb of God, who not only don't just covers the sin, but removes the sin of the world, 
is hanging on the cross shedding his blood that still holds the power today. They took him off the cross. They put him in the tomb. Three o'clock in the afternoon. The same time they would put the lamb into the oven, Jesus was being placed into the tomb. How many of y'all know Jesus didn't stay in the tomb? Jesus rose on the third day, and now he's alive, and he's alive forevermore. And see, Jesus is once and for all the sacrifice that not only covers our sins, but removes our sins. As a matter of fact, 1 Corinthians 5, 7 says, for Christ is our Passover lamb, and he has been sacrificed for us. He is our once and for all Passover lamb. There is no more sacrificial lambs needed to remove the sins of the world because Jesus Christ removed our sins once and for all, past, present, and future. Come on, somebody, give him praise. Now, I want to to point this out. Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9 says this. For grace, somebody say grace. For grace you have been saved. Through what? Faith. And this is not for yourselves. Look at somebody say, you ain't got nothing to do with it. Not of yourselves, lest anyone should boast. It is the gift of God, not by works. So here's the thing. I want you to understand something that, that the Bible teaches. I, I, I said in the early service something that, that we believe around here, but it's not just something we believe, it's something the Bible says. It's a whole lot different saying, well, I believe this. And it's, then, it's a whole different ballgame when I say what the Bible says. Because you can believe what you want to believe. It don't really, you know, whatever. Don't matter what you, what matters is what the Bible says. Billy Graham would preach sermons and and, and he would say, the Bible says. The Bible says. What matters is what the Bible says. Come on, somebody. The Bible says that we are saved by grace through faith. Period. Not by works. I'm going to tell you something. Your works is not going to get you to heaven. No matter how hard you try, you will never be and I will never be good enough to get to heaven. Most people, and I've preached this before and I'm going to preach it again today because I love love making this point because this is how so many different people believe this today. Most people believe in a 51% heaven. Most people believe that if you're 1% better than you are bad, then you're going to make it to heaven one of these days. But that's a trick of the enemy because that... Really what that is doing is taking the sacrifice of Jesus and spitting in his face. Because what's that saying is, Jesus, your blood is not powerful enough to save me because now what I'm thinking is it's going to take your blood plus my works. Quiet in here. But see, if it had anything to do with you, you could boast about it. But Paul said it's by grace through faith, not of works that anyone should boast. I've come by to tell somebody, listen, my righteousness on my best day is like a filthy rag in the sight of the holy God. I'm never going to be good enough in and of myself, but I need the blood of Jesus applied to my life. And the blood of Jesus is just as powerful today as it was over 2,000 years ago when it was shed on the cross of Calvary. So the first feast that I pointed out is, is, is Passover. What does this represent in our life? God's plan of salvation. God's plan of salvation. The second feast I want to point out is Pentecost. Told you I was going to be doing some teaching and a little preaching. I guess I got loud a little bit. Amen. Come on, somebody. Pentecost. Pentecost basically is God's plan for every believer to experience the power to make a difference. Penta, meaning five, cost times 10, five times 10, meaning what? 50. There's a scary word for you. Come on, somebody. We're so, every, every time somebody says Pentecost or Pentecost, everybody gets scared. Well, it means 50. So there's, if you're scared of the word 50, then there you go. This is celebrating Jesus or celebrating God giving the law to Moses at Mount Sinai. Now, I could really get into some, some, some deep teaching right here, but just let me tell you how, how great. God is a master planner. He's a master designer. He knew, he, he, he's like, I, I just, I, if I could just get, if you could get into my mind for a minute, that might be a little dangerous. Come on, somebody. 
I, if, if you could just, just think about it. God saying, I'm giving Moses this law in, in, in the book of Exodus, you know, and, 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 and I'm, I'm, I'm establishing this feast of Pentecost, knowing good and well what he was about to do in Acts chapter 2. Come on. Thousands of years later. Now, that's just getting into my mind a little bit. But here's what he did. Old Testament, Pentecost. He gave the law to Moses on, on Mount Sinai. A cloud descended with a loud noise and fire. This is what happened. God wrote his law on tablets of stone. And then, guess what happened? Now, the law was given. God descended as a cloud and fire from heaven on Mount Sinai. Now, put, your, put yourself in, in the shoes of the nation of Israel. All of a sudden, you see God descending from heaven in a form of fire and cloud, and it's loud, and, 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 and then you got this guy named Moses standing here, and then all of a sudden, you're looking at this, and you're looking at Moses, you're like, Moses, you're going to have to go. You're going to have to go talk to God. I ain't going. That's what, that's, what they were, that's what they felt like. They were like, I ain't going up there. Going up there. They were scared. And so they said, Moses, you're going to have to go talk, talk with God. And so here's what happened. Moses went. He received the law from God, but then he came back down from the mountain. And guess what they were doing? They were worshiping an idol. And what happened? Now, this is the part of God. We don't like to preach about a whole lot in church because we always like to talk about the goodness of God and, and the grace of God, but actually God is also a just God. And how many of y'all know in the Old Testament, he didn't play around? Come on, somebody. Man, where's no dispensation of grace? Thank God for dispensational grace. Come on, somebody. Um, they came, Moses came down. They were worshiping a golden calf, golden image. And then here's what happened. 3,000 people died that day because of God's wrath that was poured out because of idol worship. That's, how, that's really what God, if you really want to know the heart of God, that's really what God, that's how God feels about idol, idol worship. So just, just put that in your pocket, save it for later. Come on, somebody. But let's look, at, let's look at the New Testament. Somebody say, that was Old Testament. Somebody say, give me the good news, pastor. All right, here's the good news. We always like the good news, amen? We start with the bad news and we give you the good news. New Testament, the Holy Spirit descended as a mighty rushing wind from heaven, sounds of lightning and thunder filled the upper room, and then what appeared to be as flames of what? Fire settled upon each and every one of the believers in the upper room. So God, in, in the form of the Holy Spirit, descended from heaven and settled upon the believers in the upper room. Now, guess what? No longer is the law written on tablets of stone, but the Bible says now the law is going to be written on the tablet of our what? Heart. So the same feast that God established in the Old Testament to give the law, give the Mosaic law, the Ten Commandments, he said, what I'm really doing is I'm preparing you for the day that no longer are the, is the law going to be written on tablets of stone, but it's going to be written on your heart, meaning no longer are you going to have to like look at the law and it's going to be a list of do's and don'ts, but you're going to become the law and you're going to long to serve and worship God. God said, "Those who love, if you love me, you will obey my commands. And so it's not about really a list of do's and don'ts. It's, it's about what? Loving God. And when we love God, his law is written what? In our hearts. And we long to worship him and we long to serve him. And then Peter got up on the day of Pentecost and guess what? Everybody had just been baptized in the Holy Spirit and they were speaking in other tongues and they flooded the streets of Jerusalem. Man, how awesome would it be if we just got a dose of the Holy Ghost one day and we just started, man, going out into Irvington and uh, never, never mind, come on. But Peter, in his boldness, he stood up on the day of Pentecost. He says, guys, listen up. Hear me. These people are not drunk like you think they are. Look at your neighbor and say, sometimes people, never mind. <laughs> he said, these people aren't drunk like you think they are. But he said, this is that that was prophesied by the prophet Joel. Then in the last days, God said, I'm going to pour out my spirit. Somebody say my spirit. He said, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men shall, shall, shall see, see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. I'm not going through the whole prophecy here. 
But Peter preached this sermon. Now think about this. In the Old Testament, they worshiped an idol. God's wrath and judgment came. 3,000 people died. Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost, preached a message of repentance. 3,000 people were added to the church on the day of Pentecost because of the goodness and the grace of God. Look at somebody and say, that's God's plan. God's plan is for you to experience Passover as salvation, Pentecost as the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And then also, God's plan is for you to experience the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, I told you there was three main feasts, and really what I'm dealing with is Passover and Pentecost, but I'm going to throw this in there because I don't preach on it a whole lot, and I just like to preach on it every once in a while. How many of y'all know this is a temporary home we, we're, we're living in today? How many of y'all know one of these days Jesus is going to step out of the clouds of glory, the trumpet of God is going to sound, the dead in Christ will rise first, and those that are alive and remain will be caught up to, to meet them in the air, and thus we shall live with the Lord forever. How many of y'all know that we're looking forward to God's ultimate, <laughs> ultimate plan for our life? Now, he's got a purpose. He's got a plan right here, but one of these days we're going to our permanent home, somebody. See, the Feast of Tabernacles, or otherwise known as the Feast of Trumpets, now, here's what I don't get here. Now, some of you theologians in this house can come explain this to your pastor later on after church if you want to. But every single other feast in the Old Testament seemed like it had some type of purpose behind it. Like, you know, the sacrificial lamb, the Passover, Pentecost, the law. You had this correlation going on. But all of a sudden, the Feast of Trumpets, God was just like, go out into the wilderness and blow trumpets. I don't know. Maybe they, maybe they were just like, Having a jams, jam session, I don't know. Maybe the, the band was just like, hey, let's go, you know. But anyway, nevertheless, they obeyed God, right? Now, this was while they were wandering in the wilderness. The, the reason why it's called the Feast of Tabernacles is because they had temporary dwelling, tents, if you will. They lived in huts in the wilderness, and it was, it was they could pick these huts up, and they could relocate them. But how many of y'all know one of the, there was 40 years after wandering in the wilderness, they finally made it to the promised land. Come on, somebody. How many of y'all know we're wandering in the wilderness right now? But one of these days, we're going to reach our promised land in heaven. And I'm just, I know we've got a, I know we've got a, a mission here on earth. But every once in a while, it just feels good. Come on, somebody. It just feels good to preach on heaven. It just feels good because it, it, it's, it's our ultimate, it's our ultimate reward is heaven one of these days. And I praise God for that. I praise God that my permanent dwelling place is not here on this earth, but it's in heaven. And just like I preached on Easter Sunday that Easter or Passover is not just something to celebrate, but it's a resurrecting power to experience in our own lives, meaning salvation. See, you're, you're, you're a dead person walking until you receive Jesus. You might be alive physically, but you are dead spiritually. And Easter or Passover is not just something uh, to celebrate, but it's a, it's, a, it's a resurrecting power for you to experience in your own life. Just like I told you that on Easter Sunday, I'm here to tell somebody today that Passover or Pentecost is not just something to celebrate or remember, but it's a, li it's a life-giving power of the Holy Spirit to experience in your own life. It's something to be experienced. And really quick, really quick, I want to share with you this. What's the purpose of me uh, or the meaning of Pentecost to the believer? What, what, what is it that the Holy Spirit does for me, Pastor John? Why is this so important? Why is this so important? Three quick things. Number one, the Holy Spirit empowers me to live righteously. I told you I was preaching to two different people groups today. Those who were raised in Pentecostal backgrounds and those who what? Wasn't. Because both of us are guilty of having um, an inaccurate or, or at the very least an incomplete view of who the Holy Spirit really is and His purpose in our life. Because in the Pentecostal ranks, a lot of us have put more emphasis. Lord, help me right here. I know I'm supposed to be digressing right here into a landing place, but I just feel the anointing of the Holy Spirit. A lot of us in the Pentecostal ranks have put a lot of emphasis on a certain 
gift of the Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody. But last time I checked, there was more than one gift of the Holy Spirit. And see, while we can put a lot of emphasis on the tongue talking, come on, somebody. Ooh. I thank God that I'm able to pray in my prayer language and I'm able to give out a message in tongues when the Holy Spirit gives me the utterance. But how many of y'all know the main purpose of the Holy Spirit, number one, is to convict the sinner, number one. Come on, somebody. How can one even receive Jesus unless he be drawn or convicted? You know who does the drawing and the conviction? The Holy Spirit. But you know what the Holy Spirit actually does in the life of a believer? He helps us live right. And if we're talking in tongues while we're out, oh, Lord, help me. Just let me read the scripture. Romans 8. The Bible, it's a whole, it's a whole lot easier to just say the Bible says. The Bible says. In Romans 8, verses 8 through 10, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. And I'm reading from the King James, old school King James right here. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so, be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. If the Spirit of God, if you have the Holy Spirit. Now, if any man has not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. You don't belong to him. You don't have the Holy Spirit. You don't belong to God. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead. You're, you're, you're dead to yourself. Crucified. You're buried. But the Spirit is life. The Spirit has raised you to new life of righteousness. Meaning it is possible to live right. We don't teach that a lot today. What we do teach is, is oh Lord help me right here. What we do a lot of times is we comfort people in their sin. And we make people feel comfortable in their mess but what we really need is a demonstration of the spirit in the church today and maybe we would see more transformation happening I know that's not popular preaching and some of you don't like that but that's okay if that convicts you then we will have an altar call in just a minute and that's what you do when, when you're convicted can we have just a church 101 Church 101, this, this is the basics, okay? For those of you who, who are, and I'm, I'm serious. You think I'm playing. Because here's what the enemy wants you to do. When you're convicted about something, you're like, oh, that didn't, that didn't really sit well with my flesh. Your flesh is going to get loud. Your flesh is going to, pride's going to rise up. And you're going to say, well, I'm, I, that didn't feel good. And you'll go down the road to a church that makes you feel good in your own mess. But I've come by to tell you what the Bible says. Now, are you going to be perfect your entire life? No. But do you have the power? Do you have the access to the power to live? Yes, you do. It is possible. What the Bible says. Those who walk according to the flesh will fulfill the lust of flesh. But if you walk according to the Spirit, you're going to please God. You're going to live righteously. So here's the thing. I'm not here to comfort you in your sin today. I'm not here to, to, to just pat you on your back and say, you just, you just try your best. No. It's time we hit our, hit our knees before God. Say, God, I can't do this by myself. I'm nobody from nowhere. I need Jesus. I need his blood applied to my life. And I need the power of the Holy Spirit to even go to Walmart these days. Come on, somebody. Somebody said, do I need the baptism of the Holy Spirit to make it to heaven? No, you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit just to go to Walmart. Before you know it, you're going to lose your sanctification. Driving down I-10. Before you even get there, somebody cuts you off. Or tailgating you. You do the brake check. One, the Holy Spirit empowers me to live righteously. Number two, the Holy Spirit empowers me to live supernaturally. The Bible says signs, wonders, and miracles. See, we like to talk about the world is infatuated with supernatural things, whether you realize it or not. 
people, people of this world, they are infatuated with supernatural things. That's why there's, Lord, do I have time to go down this rabbit hole for a minute? That's why all of these supernatural shows are so popular these days. Y'all want me to go there? Y'all got your steel, you got your steel toe boots on today? Is that okay? That's why all these, these, these uh, uh, vampire shows or, or uh, zombie shows or, or, or whatever, man, all this supernatural stuff, that's why, that's why people are actually longing, whether they know it or not, whether you know it or not, you may be sitting under the sound of my voice today, you're actually longing for a supernatural encounter. And there's only two ways that you can experience a supernatural encounter. It's going to be of the enemy or it's going to be of the Holy Ghost. And I don't know about you, but I would rather it be of the Holy Ghost. You're either going to build up your flesh or you're... Jesus said greater things you're going to do than me. Even Jesus himself operated in the power of the Holy Ghost. Acts 10, 38. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. If Jesus needed the anointing of the Holy Ghost, Jesus, the Son of God, if God, if Jesus knew how important it was to receive the anointing of the Holy Spirit to, put, to, to, to perform miracles, signs, and wonders, how much more important is it for you and I? How much more is it important for you and I? Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he said, we don't need the wisdom of man. He said, he said the wisdom of man is, does nothing. It'll only get you so far. He said, Paul said what we need to them. He said this to the church of Corinth. He said, we need a demonstration of the Holy Spirit. Because when we have a demonstration of the Holy Spirit, it actually produces legitimate, genuine change in someone's life. That's what we need in the world today. I want to share with you something else from my heart. I know I'm going over my time, but I'm just going to share with you. a If you're new today, you can take this with a grain of salt or you can do whatever with it you want to do it, okay? But I just want to talk to, to some forward church people for a minute. Listen. A lot of times, a lot of times, we may make a, a, a decision in the moment because of, of, of an emotional experience or something, but I'm just going to be honest with you. When the Holy Ghost comes upon you and He convicts you, it ain't going to be no question about it. It ain't going to be no question about it. And I don't know, it seems like I just want to throw in a sweetheart in there because I want, to, I want it to, to go over well. It ain't going to be no question about it because, because He's going to change you from the inside out. It's like, it's like if I would have told you this morning I got ran over by a Mack truck on the way to church. If I stood up on this platform and I said, on my way from my house this morning, I got, I got T-boned with a Mack truck doing 60 miles an hour on Irvington Balabatry Highway. And my truck is not messed up and I'm up here and there's no, there's no evidence of it. People say, I've encountered the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He saved me. He changed me. And I tell you, the old things have passed away. The new things have, the old things have been made new. Can I tell you, it's going to be evident, sweetheart. And you're going to want to follow God. You're not, come on, somebody. I'm not saying everything's going to be sunshine and rainbows all the time. God said, you will face trials and tribulations, but take heart. I have overcome this world, and now greater is he that is within you than he that is of this world. And nothing that this world can throw at you is greater than the one who is in you. And if you're saved, if you've made a decision for Christ, I just want to encourage you. Take your next steps in baptism. We're having baptism next Sunday. Get signed up for baptism. Now, we had 28 decisions for Christ on Easter Sunday. You want me to be vulnerable? Yeah, praise God. But do you want me to be vulnerable to you right now? The enemy tried to discourage me a little bit. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna share this on live stream and all. The enemy tried to discourage me a little bit. 
Now, I don't know, 28 decisions, people raise their hand. That's between them and God, okay? But I'm just going to be a little vulnerable with you right now. May, May, this month, was the first month since we started having baptism every single, every single month that we didn't baptize anybody. sink in for a minute. We had more salvations in April than we've had year to date. But in May, we didn't have anybody baptized. Why is that? Something we need to pray about. Something we need to pray about. Because Jesus commanded in Scripture, now, you, do you need to be baptized to make it to heaven? No. A lot of denominations and a lot of people teach that by by grace through faith you are saved period okay baptism is an outward sign of an inward commitment but it's also commanded in scripture by Jesus we follow the example of who Jesus Jesus himself was baptized by John and I'm just going to be honest with you God and I know I'm meddling and I'm chasing a rabbit hole right here and you can you can put this on the podcast where the 11 o'clock service is going on the podcast because I got math wrong in the 9 o'clock service so I had to so anyway, God changed my theology a little bit on, on, on the baptism experience. And I'll just be honest with you. I, I need to study this out some more, but I'm going to go ahead and share it with you on my heart today. Sometimes it just does the soul good. Amen? I always thought that it's nothing more than just an outward sign. It's just you. It's like this wedding ring. Wed, wedding ring that I put on and it is that it is testifying to the world but there is actually the Bible says we're made what overcomers by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony and I heard Jensen Franklin how many of y'all if you listen to a Jensen Franklin sermon he will tear you up sometimes he'll mess you up and he, I'm like Jensen why are you going to do that to me man you know what I'm talking about you know what I'm, y'all know what I'm talking about Phyllis Johnson, she was here. She knows. She listens to Jensen. She, she got me a Jensen Franklin study Bible for my birthday one year. Shout out to Phyllis Johnson. Praise God. He preached a message on water baptism one time. He said, I'm just going to be honest with you. This is what he said. He said, a lot of, he said, I think the reason why a lot of people have so much trouble going back to the old self is because they didn't take the next step in baptism. We see so many pictures of this in the Old Testament. Actually, the children, I talked about the children of Israel being delivered. They experienced water baptism when they passed through the Red Sea. And it was actually a barrier between their future life and their former life. The Bible says that we're buried with Christ in baptism we shall also be raised with him. I'm just going to leave it at that. I'm just going to pray on it. Take it with a grain of salt, okay? Come talk to me about it. You know what would make my day Wednesday? If one of you come up to me before church and said, you know what, I've been thinking about what you said Sunday, and I, I started digging into Scripture about that. You know what, this is really interesting. This is what I found. That would actually make me feel like what I've done today. You actually listen. Praise God. Take that next step. And I told you three things. I'm going to share with you three things and then you can, we'll close. Number three, Holy Spirit empowers me to live on mission. Live righteously. Live supernaturally. Live on mission. Here's the thing. We are baptized in the Holy Spirit to fulfill God's purpose in our life, to be empowered, to be witnesses for Him, to be, to glorify God in everything we do. And here's the thing, and I'm going to close with this. A lot of times people who seek the baptism in the Holy Spirit and maybe experience His power, I'm, I'm giving you this as a challenge and a warning at the same time. Because I think this is a bringing this full circle. This is what has turned a lot of people away from the Holy Spirit. When we package Him in this form, 
Many times when we experience the power of the Holy Spirit, I've seen people rise up in this holier-than-thou attitude. And then pride starts creeping in the heart. The Bible says pride goes before the fall. I don't want to be a church. Listen, the Holy Spirit doesn't make you better than anybody else. Holy Spirit makes you better than you. Holy Spirit makes you a better person than who you was, who you were. We don't rub it in other people's faces. Paul said, he lists all these sins. He said, this was once you. We were, we were once those people. Remember where God's brought you from. I know we've had altar calls today, so here's what I want to do. If you'll stand. If you'll stand. I just want to pray over you today. We've already had people respond up here to the altar and different things, but I, I just really feel like if, if we could just spend about five minutes in worship and just seek God, and I want to pray over you. If you need prayer today, I'm not... I'm not telling you not to respond or come to the altar. I'm not, it's not anything like that. I'm just trying to be respectful of your time today. But I'm going to pray over you. And if you need anything from God today, number one, if you haven't experienced Passover, meaning salvation, our Passover lamb, Jesus Christ, if you haven't received Jesus Christ, today is your day. Number two, if you haven't experienced Pentecost, the power of the Holy Spirit, today is your day. If it's not today, it's guaranteed, I guarantee it's going to be next Sunday. But number three, listen. God laid this on my heart this morning. I said, God, if, if you want me to say it, bring it to my remembrance. If not, then just don't let me remember it. The Holy Spirit empowers you to live righteously. That, that really stood out to me. A lot of times we, we think sin or not sin, but not, that's not all the time the case. Sometimes it's just about making decisions that honors God in your life. Ms. Pam talked about that yesterday at, at, at the women's conference. I remember when I was coming here, and I'm going to share this testimony. I'm going to make it brief. I remember when, when I got the call from Bishop Terry Hart. Bayou the Battery Church of God is open. You want to go interview. Something you need to know. Never turn down an interview. Come on, somebody. Praise God. You go interview. You, you go. So I, I, I hung up the phone, and I said, yeah, yeah. I, I told him, I said, yeah, we'll, we'll go interview. I hung up the phone. Well, we started Googling Bayou Lavatory. Top 10 most dangerous places to live. No, I'm just. So, so I, looked at, I looked, at, looked at Cassie. We were sitting at the dining room table. I said, I said look, we'll, we'll go interview. But I looked her in the eyes and I said, we, we ain't moving to Bayou, Patrick. We ain't moving to the Bayou. What I said, you can ask her. She testified to this. But I came down to interview, church was on fire, blah, 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 all that story. That's been exhausted by this point. Y'all know that story. If you don't know the story, then just ask anyone who's been to church here, you know, for any amount of time. But anyway, I was like, Lord, have mercy. Church is on fire. This is, this is ridiculous. We're going to have to, like, enter right into a building program. I know of pastors who's, like, had heart attacks and during a building program. It's like, this is, this is. So, uh, but we did the interview. Ironically, the first question was, are you going to bring the fire? And I was like, well, I looked out there at the building. I said, no, not that kind, but yeah, hopefully. And, um, uh, but I walked out of the interview. Here's the thing. Now, mind you what I told Cassie. I said, we're not moving to the bayou. But I walked down the back steps of Pastor Brandon's parsonage where we were doing the interview because again the church was on fire and um, I turned around I looked at Cassie I said pack your bags pack your bags why do I say that because that still small voice inside of me Holy Spirit spoke up that this is it that this is what you've been praying for I said it might not look like it it might not feel like it I'll just be honest with you. Now, I'm going to blow some of y'all's theology right here. Anybody who says, if you feel peace about it, then it's of God. And if you don't feel peace, then it's not of God. They don't know what they're talking about. 
Now, I know God gives us peace that surpasses all understanding, but sometimes you just, sometimes you feel scared. I was scared to death. I didn't tell nobody. I can tell you now because guess what? God's brought us through it six years ago. But here's the thing. I sat at a table at Ruby Tuesdays at Tillman's Corner. I didn't know nothing about Tillman's Corner back then. And, uh, man, I broke down in tears. Broke down in tears. And y'all know me. I'm not very, I'm not emotional. I'm not a very emotional person now, you know. But when God gets in it, God, have mercy. And I started crying at the table. Ruby Tuesdays. Cassie said, sweetheart, crying. Why are you crying? I'm about to have to move you and the kids to the bayou. Praise God. Praise God. And I'm not pinning, hear my heart, I'm not pinning flowers. Praise God that I chose to listen to the voice of God and the leading of the Holy Spirit and not the voice of the flesh in me. There's no telling where I would be right now. There's no telling what kind of mess I would be in right now. Lord have mercy. I might be driving a skitter in the logwoods at this point. I've been delivered, bro. I'm praying for you, man. You're gonna you go, you're gonna get off that skid steer one of these days, I promise. Come on, I prophesy that in the name of Jesus. Well, yeah. Praise God. I used Rod as an example in the early service too. God can sing like nobody's business. I put him up against any person on the face of this earth singing. Because he's just got that kind of voice. I always told people if I could preach like he sings, we could pack this church out. But let me tell you something. Now that's a gift. That's not his calling. I love to hear him sing, but when that man exhorts... He starts quoting scripture and he starts preaching the word of God from that platform. I can see the anointing of God all over him. And can I tell you, I'm not trying to embarrass you. I know you don't like to be bragged on. I know it makes you feel uncomfortable. You can take it up with me after church. But praise God that this man, I don't know how many years ago it was when you you went on that show you went on. But at some point, something inside of you was saying, this is not not God's plan. God's got more in store. God had a calling to preach on your life. And though the other may have looked better, more appealing, God's ways are higher than our ways. Come on, somebody. If you want God's plan for your life, just lift your hands up right now. Come on, lift your hands up. God, right now, I pray over this congregation. God, I know we've been here a long time, God, and I could I could preach, God, all afternoon. But, Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit, God, would settle upon each and every believer under the sound of my voice, God. I pray, God, God, if there be one, God, that has not received you as Lord and Savior, God, I pray, Lord Jesus, God, that you would save them, sanctify them, God baptize them in your Holy Spirit, God. Empower us, God, to live righteously. Empower us, God, to live supernaturally, God. Empower us, God, to live on mission, God, and on purpose, God. God, empower us, God, to be witnesses, God. Empower us, God, to be the church, God, that you have called us and created us to be, God. And we give you the praise, we give you the glory, and we give you the honor in Jesus' name. Somebody shout in Jesus' name. Amen. Give him a hand clap of praise. Thanks again for joining us on the Forward Church Podcast. We hope today's message was a blessing to you. If you'd like more information, you can check us out on Facebook or at forwardchurchonline.com.